Okay, welcome back to the second episode of the Views from the Wings podcast. Today we'll be talking more about the Eagles' victory over the Cowboys. And let me just tell you, that game was not pretty. First snap to the last snap, it was like, you know, what are we watching? Like, I think for me, when we were down 9-7 at halftime, I, that doubt was creeping into my mind. Like, are we going to win this game? We were able to, Wentz was able to take the take the offense down the field and it was able to get that touchdown to Travis Fulgham. And that kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but but for me, it kind of like calmed me down to like, oh, there's no way the Cowboys are going to score a touchdown led by Ben DiNucci. But going into Wentz's play, he was just terrible. His decision-making was bad. Him holding on to the football was very atrocious and... You know, I usually defend them when it came to, like, people like, you know, Max Kellerman and Skip Bayless saying, oh, he's not, he wasn't playing, he's not playing at the rate that he should be. I kind of have to agree with them. Like, you know, he played really bad and, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that's been the story once this year. It's been him playing great, you know, for small stretches. And then, you know, you got these long stretches of just ineptitude and but, i mean they're not wrong he's not playing as well as he should but yeah. i mean there are obviously are other factors involved it's not just him but um yeah i mean there's there's no reason why that game should have been competitive especially once you saw you know the product on the field what the cowboys actually were it's like man <laughs> i mean i understand we have our own injuries and, and you know they're just as injured but i mean they they were just a terrible offense i mean you could tell just from the start, that there was no way that that Bindanucci was going to lead that team on any sort of you know long drives, and uh, just uh, immediately right off the bat, you saw uh, Jim Schwartz allowing um, the Cowboys to get into field goal range. Um, it was like uh, twelve fifty in the first quarter, I think it was. Um, uh, the first drive was third and seven, and plays off, you know, and, and that's what he's been doing recently. You know, you see yeah. him playing off on long situations, and you let the Cowboys get first downs or or you let them on a on a third and 17 you let them get 14 yards right into field goal range i mean they were on their own 44 yard line um and, and at, at that point you just got you have to play aggressive still and that's what was working mm-hmm. you, you you can't give danucci all this space to be able to to move the ball and that's really what kept him in the game early was just jim not not making those uh, adjustments yeah and it's just there's no reason like, if Dak Prescott was playing, I know, I don't know, like, where your thoughts on it, but playing off on that third down, like, you still got to bring the pressure. You're playing a seventh, a rookie seventh round pick. Why are you playing off? You, you've been, you brought the house, well, you brought the house the entire game and it was working. Why not just stick with that mm-hmm. instead of letting them get three easy points? Like, and, yeah. go ahead, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And and uh, Doug was doing the same thing. You saw um, that fourth quarter. I mean, I'm sorry that that fourth uh, down call, the first one. You know, you gotta you gotta where you're at on the field, and you have to understand the situation. Just punt the ball, pin Danucci deep, and make him you know win that field position battle. That's all they had to do to win this game is just field position battle and win the turnover battle. And they didn't either, especially not the fucking turnover battle. Yeah. I mean, four turnovers is insane. Yeah. And those two fumbles, inexcusable. Both of those, they're on him. But I don't, I, and I, I, you know, some people want to say, especially on the second fumble, well, you know, you know, he came in, 
there's a guy came in, you know, unblocked. Van Der Esch came in untouched, which he did. But yeah. Wentz had a than Greg Ward. I Greg think he Ward had like two wide. seconds. Like he was able to, if you look look back at it from like, not from the TV broadcast, from the back, like where you can see like the offensive line's numbers and Wentz's number. Like you could see from that position that even though his he had to throw the ball quick, he was Greg Ward, Ward was wide open. If he catches that, that's a touchdown. Like. Right, and yeah, it's like, and, and he 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 looked to his right. He checked his first read, and then he he passed right over Ward, and and you see him turn and look to the left, and you know as he turns to the left, and he then he moves back towards Ward, and by the time he realizes Ward's there, you know Van Der Esch is in his face, and I will say Ward should have been you know waving his hand, saying, "Look, I'm right here," and I think if if had Ward you know been showing himself, showing he's open. Maybe maybe Wentz doesn't skip him all the way over to the cross the field because I mean he started his read on, on you know on the right side and then he moved all the way to the far side to the boundary yeah and it doesn't and he just skipped Ward there so I don't know if Wentz just isn't seeing the field or he wants to go for these you know big plays there was another uh, uh, situation on his first interception he missed a check down to Ward yeah. and it was ten you're in field goal range a field goal would I'm pretty sure at the time put him up two possessions at the, at that point yeah but. Instead, he chucks one deep to, to um, uh, I'm sorry, Jalen Rager, and you know this double coverage and throws it right to. No, he doesn't throw it right to him, but you know he's right the he's right there to make the play. Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, and he's got Greg Ward on the sideline open for a check down. You take that, get four yards, you move to second down. You know you live to fight another down. But something about once he wants to take these you know aggressive plays, and I will say that interception was not an interception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You saw, but I don't. I don't know when when they changed the rule to where it's a shin, a shin down. It's yeah. also your knee. Out. His knee was clearly touching the white line by the time it hit. But it's whatever. He shouldn't have thrown that ball, you know, in the first place. Yeah, I just think that game shouldn't have been as close as it as it was. Like, it's just that the Doug Peterson's play calling and Carson Wentz's playing right now is just like, you know, it's very fu- frustrating because we have. We have Wentz defenders like you and me, like we will defend him to the death. But he's Absolutely. playing so bad, like it's really hard to, you know, it's really hard to defend him. And then you have like people like Cowboys fans and all these uh, national media saying that he, that like, you know, the Eagles need to bench him or he's not going to end his career in Philadelphia. Like you, if you look at, look at it from that, from their point of view, you kind of understand, you know, where they're coming from. And it's just... You can. I know you can live live with that at some at some points, but at this point, it, you know it's kind of getting a little bit frustrating knowing that he's putting the ball in harm's way when he doesn't need to be. He's trying to go for that for that big play, and he doesn't need to. He can check it down or something, throw it away. Like it's just it's, it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, and. He does come back. He does make some, especially after that second interception, which actually I don't, I don't think that second interception was on him. The one to Hightower. I mean, he had Hightower open. He just Hightower can't track a ball. And we've yeah. seen that again. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where it ends with Wentz with these, you know, poor decisions though. Um, but I, it is, it is encouraging to see right after that second interception, he was able to bounce back and, and drive him down for that touchdown. Um, yeah. And, and re- put the game away at that point yeah uh 15 to 9 at that point um 
then you know, obviously you got the, the safety and then the defensive touchdown. But at the end of the day, 15 points scored on this on that defense is inexcusable. And and when you have Dallas with a third string quarterback with the same amount of injuries we have, being more creative by a long shot than Doug Peterson. I mean, that's an indictment on Doug. And and you can make excuses for Wentz. I mean, for Doug, just like you can Wentz, but certain certain point accountability comes into play there with them. And, and it's obvious that Doug is not not nearly as creative as he used to be. He doesn't trust Wentz to do anything, it seems. He doesn't trust Wentz to make his own decisions. And a lot of the stuff, it seems like he wants Wentz to hit this first read and, you know, move on. Yeah, I think it goes back to the fact all the way back in, I think, March when they hired they hired guys like Rich Scangarello, uh, all these other guys. Uh, and, you know, it's having... Having all these guys in the offensive room sounds amazing. Like, oh, look how many guys they have these offensive minds. They know they know what they're doing. But at the same point, you need. For me, I think you need to have a, a, a an established offensive coordinator. Like, if you're gonna bring bring Rich Scangarello in, make him the offensive coordinator. Maybe you don't give him the play calling, but you have him as an offensive coordinator. And don't get me started on Press Taylor because I don't know what the hell he's doing in that in that quarterback room being the quarterback's coach because I I think most Eagle fans see him as like, oh, this guy who's just going to, you know, bow down to Wentz and what he's going to say and just completely avoid what he's saying. When we had guys like John DeFilippo and Frank Reich and they're holding him accountable and we, you know, we heard reports coming out that Wentz and, Wentz and flipped and they didn't get along. Like, which is good. I mean, you shouldn't. It yeah. shouldn't be a buddy buddy. Yeah, you gotta you need that. As a coach, you should be holding your players accountable for the mistakes that they make and helping them get better. I don't, I don't see what press press Taylor is doing to do that. And I was about to tweet this last night after watching the watching the the Niners and Packers game. I think the Eagles in the off season they should. Find a true established offensive coordinator in in um in uh, Mike Lafour, who is Matt Lafour's b- brother. He's a passing game passing game coordinator in San Francisco, but I think he would be he would fit what the Eagles need to do. And we saw last year with the Forty Nine ers success of running the ball, play action passes, which really helped them, you know, get to the Super Bowl. And I think Doug needs somebody like that. And I don't when you get these got these. Coach, head coaches, when they have these, you know, these play calling duties, they're never going to give it up. Like, if you try right, to take yeah, it, yeah. if you if you try taking it away from them, it's going to seem like a people from the outside, like fans, they're going to see, oh, it's an ego trip that he's so pissed off that he doesn't have the play calling duty, which is, you know, and we don't know how much input all these offensive guys are putting into the game plan, like. Yeah, at a certain point, it's too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, um, you have to have a central voice where Carson's not getting, you know, advice from a million different people, and and I think that I think the coach, not just the coaching side, but the front office, they want to go back to the twenty seventeen always. Yeah, you know, they've been chasing that and how, how to get back there, yeah. and they thought, oh well, in twenty seventeen had all these coaches we had you know we had jdf we had a frank reich we had a, um you know doug at the head of it and, and you've got all these assistants that have left and 
now you're, you're trying to promote from within and that's what mm -hmm. they try to do. Okay. Well, let's bring guys up that we know in our system. Let's, let's try to do that. That didn't work. So yeah. you get rid of Mike Grubb, you make him the scapegoat, but you still keep press Taylor. You still don't really change a whole lot in your, you know, offensive coordinator scheme there. I mean, it's, there's, there's not been much difference it seems. And I don't see them, especially if they win the division and, you know, God forbid, win a playoff game. There's no way that they're going to go, I think, any massive changes and fire people. And that's yeah. a bit of a situation there where you're kind of stuck in the middle where you're not great. You're not a great team, so you can't go and clean house. I mean, you're not a great team, so you can't continue this success, but you're not bad enough where you can clean clean house. So it, you're kind of stuck in the middle, and I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do with this coaching situation because – Something's not working with Wentz. I mean, we know Wentz is talented. Yeah. We know he's got a ton of talent. There's obviously something not working mentally or within the scheme or just within the coaching staff in general. I, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's the players that, you know, are not a right fit. I, I have no idea why Wentz is, has played this reckless and just honestly at times just stupid, just incredibly stupid plays we've seen. Yeah, going back to the front office, and I think – I truly believe Howie Roseman is on his last legs and as being the GM in Philadelphia. Because I don't know if you remember, I don't know if I mentioned this on the on the first uh, episode, but there's a picture um, of when the Eagles scored that the game-winning touchdown with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. They're in the box together. And how uh, Jeffrey Lurie, he looked so pissed off. And you saw, you know, you saw Howie Roseman looking at him like, oh, oh, shit, I think I just, you know, saved my job for, like, another week. And I think it's in <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie's mind that I think he needs to get rid of how we Roseman and bring in, someone, bring in somebody else. I'm When it comes to other GM guys, I'm, I'm more keen on bringing in Lewis Riddick. You know, he's been in this – he's been in the organization before. Um, he knows what he's doing, and – that's somebody I would want as the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think they're going to get rid of Howie anytime soon. Okay. Um, hasn't done much to prove he should be here, but that Super Bowl, just like Doug's going to buy him a certain amount of time, um, and just the fact he's been here since you know, I think years now. I think the only way Doug gets fired is if he misses if he misses two consecutive years of the playoffs. Because we saw that with Andy Reid. He missed 11 and 12. He was fired. We saw Chip Kelly in 2014 and 2015. He didn't miss the playoffs. He got fired. So, you know, the Super Bowl really bought a bunch of people in that front office time. Yeah, and, well, the thing with Doug is is – what you saw with Reed and Chip, yes, they both missed the playoffs, but the biggest thing I think was they both lost the locker room. Yeah. Those teams stopped wanting to play for them. And, and it was obvious. It's the same thing you're seeing in Dallas where you got all these reports come out, all these leaks, these, you know, dissension in the ranks. That happened, you know, a ton, especially at the end of Andy's, you know, and pretty much the whole time Chip was here, that was always an issue. But with, with Doug, it seems like this team wants to play for him. They want to win for him. Yeah. Which there is something to be said for that is even if he's not being as creative as he as he can be as a play caller, even if he's you know we've lost something there, that's fine. But as long as he's able to to rally you know these people and they want to to fight and win for him, that will buy him you know a long time here. And I think Doug probably gets too big of a leash 
because of that. Yeah. Um, and and of course because of the Super Bowl, but your point at a certain point you got to see results. You have to see results on the field, especially when after you know twenty seventeen these you know how and Doug talk about the new normal. When we've seen the new normal has been to be a five hundred team and yeah. to barely scrape in the playoffs. I so, think yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the bye week is coming at the perfect time because you can. After two tough divisional games, you're able to clear your mind, clear your body, and able to go through go through things that you need to work on. And I think that's more imperative for once. You know, just step back, do whatever you need to do during the bye week. I know they can't leave because of every single day they need to do COVID testing, and we just had one with the right. with the Eagles. One player, Marcus Epps, getting that. So yes, it's sir. imperative. They need to fix things. They can't just stand pat. And I under like I totally agree with what you're saying. If they get to the playoffs and they win a playoff game, what's gonna happen? Because we know that's because the Eagles they're gonna think, oh, look what we just did with the amount of injuries that we had for the third, I think, the fourth consecutive year. We make it to the playoffs, we yeah. win a playoff game. That's not gonna. Some guys who don't deserve to be a coach here are gonna continue to be coaches, and that's like. That's a scary thing because if that happens again, we're going to have the same problems next year. And and plus, hopefully there'll be more fans in the stands and they're going to boo the <laughs> heck out of them if they if they play like how they're playing right now, which is like... Yeah, roughly so. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. We, I mean, there's positives, I think, still. for There's positives for once even. And I mean... Brandon Graham, especially. I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. You know, that's something this defense and the defense in general, they dominated against the Cowboys. Um, so I think that's something that is a positive moving forward. They are getting healthier. Um, so that seems to be trending in the right direction. And you're right, the bye is this perfect time for the bye, especially with Slay getting hurt um and Leek Jackson again as well. Um yeah, it, there's just there's just not any room for error, it seems, you know, in these games and, and when especially when you got Wentz. Well, you know, I say that there's no room for error, but they they turn the ball over four times and they still win by. That's the thing, like. But most games are not going to. Yeah, most games are not going to be like that. Most games are not going to be the Cowboys. They turn the ball over four times against pretty much any other team they play this year. You lose. That's that's a recipe for a loss, and they're playing a really bad. They're playing a really bad Dallas team. You can get away with that, but you can't get away against like even the New York Giants. You can't. They've been even though their record is one and seven, they've been playing really tough. They played the Buccaneers really tough. Yeah. They played us really tough. So they're in they're in every game. They're in every game. So you just need to I truly believe if this if we didn't have our bye week this week and we're playing the Giants, I think we'd lose that game. I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So this by having this bye week right in the middle, it's not like it you have a like last year how we had the bye week after week nine and then then eleven on. It's like we've We've played eight weeks, break, and then we play eight more games. So it's kind of at the perfect yeah, time. Yeah, it's a perfect spot. Yeah, well, I mean, there, I mean, there's something to be said by still winning by two possessions against Dallas, I suppose, yeah. um, even with all the you know, screw-ups. Um, TJ Edwards needs to be starting, by oh, the way. Yeah. There's the him, zero and, him, and, him and Singleton, like, oh, my God. Like, I think he yeah. was a guy who caused, like, 
I think when we scored that, um, when the Eagles scored that defensive touchdown, you could see him right as the ball was snapped. He was right. He came right through, and he was able to force a fumble. And then we were able to return it back for a touchdown. So I hope, I hope we don't see Nate Gary anymore. Is that dumbass white snake celebration? I really I hope know. we don't see that anymore. But knowing, knowing how Jim Schwartz plays favorites, I wouldn't be surprised if Nate Gary is back there. And Nate Gary is going to yeah. miss the next few games because he's on IR. So mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah. guys like Edwards and Singleton, they're able to you know keep on performing and showing Jim Schwartz, hey. Put that guy on the bench, or put him on special teams, and let's let's ride. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes after the bye. Um, you know, I, I think that going back to wins, I think he's. I think he still does get too much criticism at times, and maybe unfair criticism, especially when you look at um, just this past week. Um, Lamar Jackson and what, and what, how he played. Yeah, four turnovers. Yeah, yeah, four turnovers. Um, he fumbled three times too, yeah. and lost two of them. So I mean, he had a chance to turn over five times, and he was just as bad. And and I understand he's actually played a lot better than Wentz has as a whole this year. But it's still, you see, and he did play a better team for sure. But yeah. still, see, there's a double standard, and another big double standard is is how you see just historically. How some quarterbacks were treated, you know, it, it, Wentz is just having a bad year. And it seems like the more these games on, it's probably just going to be statistically, it's going to look, it's going to look rough. Yeah. He's probably going to finish with close to 20. You know, it's probably going to be a one-to-one intercept touchdown interception ratio for the most part. Yeah. Um, he seems to be on the ground still though. So, I mean, that's, that's something to be you know excited about, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. You've seen other quarterbacks. You saw Andrew Luck and especially even McNabb back in, in his time here. They've had horrible years and where they turn the ball over all the time. And you, there, there was never a question of, well, we need to bench Wentz and we need to move on. Or you need to bench our quarterback and we need to move on. But with Wentz, it seems that that's the only solution. you got to bench him. And there's, there's just no way Jalen Hurts is going to step in and be significantly better than Wentz. He, he, he'll be different. Yeah. He's going to provide a certain spark just because teams won't know what to expect. But long term, that's not something that to bench Wentz for Hurts for the rest of the season. That is a decision that is going to carry on into next year and you know the year after that. Because Wentz, you can't get rid of him. It's yeah. just going to bring to next year. You're going to have a controversy. Who's going to be starting? Is it Hurts? Is it Wentz? What's going to happen? So. Maybe, maybe bench if he has another four turnover performance again. Maybe bench him for that game. Mm-hmm. The game seems lost, you know, and the, you know there's no reason to keep him out there to keep turning the ball over. I guess I could understand that, similar to what they did to McNabb, you know, back against the Ravens. But aside from that, I don't, I don't see a, a reason to bench wins. You, you just got to ride him. He's a, he is a, a franchise quarterback for better or worse. He's he's the guy mm-hmm. that's going to be here for this year and next. There's there's just simply no way around it unless they pull some sort of Brock Osweiler trade with another team where they take all the dead cap. I mean, he's got sixty million in dead cap. Yeah. After uh, you know, so I mean, there's there's no way that you can get out from under that. You know, as far as I can understand. Yeah. Other than team completely taking that, and then you get zero in return because <laughs> the team's not on all that salary for a quarterback coming off his worst season and his stocks as low as it's ever been. And that's the thing when you when you hear people wanting to trade wins. 
they they want to trade him, but they don't. They they want to. They, oh, we're going to get a first and a second round pick back, and we're going to have all this money off our books. No. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, you don't trade. A team is not going to do that. They're not yeah. going to. They're not gonna be dumb to to take a quarterback who is looks as worse as he's ever have as he has, as he ever has, mm-hmm. and I'll give you something in return for it. It just won't work. Yeah, and it's. I think I I forget who put it out on. On Twitter, they said the backup quarterback in Philadelphia is always going to be loved more than the starting quarterback. It's going to yeah. be like that until the end of time. And and going back to when you touched on McNabb, I Stephen A. Smith, he said he believes that McNabb, Wen should be getting as much hate as what McNabb did back in the early 2000s. And I'm kind of, I kind of scoffed at that quote, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He used to work in Philadelphia, and he's able to see it then. Now he doesn't. He doesn't work there, and I'm like, "What are you? You you haven't even seen Eagles Twitter. Most of these people during the game were calling for him for him to be benched. They're calling yeah, for him it, to be benched. I like I don't I don't understand where that narrative comes from. Yeah. There's some narrative that that Wentz can do no wrong in Philadelphia from, from outside, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. He can do nothing right. I mean, you saw for the three years prior, he put all, the, I mean, two years prior, he puts up the statistical dominance and it's always, well, he's not winning. I don't care what his stats are, just win the game. And then he puts up a horrible game against the Cowboys. They won the game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what he has to do other than MVP, win Super Bowl, win Super Bowl MVP. Until then, I don't think it's ever going to end. And even then, you're still going to have people say, well, he has just did as much as Foles has now. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is for Wentz. I yeah. think if you look at McNabb and Wentz's careers, they're very they're oddly similar. Both were drafted with the second overall pick. And I think when it comes to McNabb, I think he ever since he got ever since he left, he got traded to the Redskins, he's always had that that animosity to those quarterbacks who played in Philadelphia, Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick, Nick Foles, and now Carson Wentz, because they've gotten more love than he did. And I think that's, I think why most people don't like McNabb right now, especially right now, is because how the the situation with T.O. went and how he was like, we can get get into that another day, but people really resent McNabb for running T.O. out of town. You know, T.O., he did his, he did some dumb shit that forced him out, but, mm-hmm. like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, um, the T.O. situation was, well, the whole, that whole situation was just toxic. Um, yeah. I, it was a little before time, you know, I was a little too young to quite understand yeah, I had what to, was I, happening. I had to ask my dad, like, what exactly happened during like when T.O. was here because I was only what seven years old when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl so I was kind of like uh-huh. I don't know what the hell was going on but um yeah McNabb's just bitter um you know, so he's always gonna be bitter I think it's just people hate it and he, he, he I don't necessarily blame him for being bitter because he I mean he got booed on his draft night yeah <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's... Like people were pissed at him from the moment he was here because we didn't draft Ricky Williams which is funny looking back, but uh, no, I, I get I get why he's pissed and bitter. I guess, but I mean, he, he it's not fair to him the way he was treated while he was here. I mean, I went to five NFC title games, and he, he statistically he was really good for most of those years. 
So it's just he never won the big one. And yeah. I think I, what really killed his reputation was the Super Bowl where, you know, he puked. Allegedly. Allegedly I think, puked. I think, I think he puked. I think I've been hearing for some people that he was he was hungover. He was hungover and he was probably yeah and that's like if he if you don't have a hungover McNabb the Eagles probably win that game he doesn't throw for three interceptions mm-hmm. so it's kind of like this dude really he decided to booze it all up before the biggest game of his life and look what happened <laughs> like we can't all be Jordan I guess yeah where you can do all that stuff and ball out like it's I think and just Last last point on McNabb before we move on and talk about the upcoming schedule. But just think about this. The team you drafted won a Super Bowl without you. And the quarterback that drafted you won a Super Bowl without you. If I, if I was him, imagine that's so much hurt. Like the franchise that drafted the, the, you. The backup. The backup quarterback. Yeah, in the, in the- in the Super Bowl yeah, won exactly. it and against a team that you couldn't even beat, that you lost to. <laughs> that's like... That's probably like so much hurt on top of everything else. Like, you know, yeah. I would feel some type of way if that happened to me. You know. Yeah, I, he's he's just gonna be bitter. So it is what it is. It's like him and him and To will never be friends, and he's never gonna like Philly. So yeah, whatever. Okay, moving on to the last to the second half of the schedule. We have we play the we play the the Giants, Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals. Cowboys and Redskins, so I think there's Washington Washington football team. Washington football team. Thank you for correcting <laughs> me. It's getting used it's it's weird getting used to a football team, but I know it's silly. Yeah, I think there's we there's that murder stretch between um uh Seattle, Green Bay and the Saints. I think I think there's there's probably a game in there that we we might we might not be expected to win, but we'll probably win it. I think it'll be, I think it'll be that be that Saints game because the Saints haven't been playing well, and we know what Drew Brees is like in in the cold. So that's like, yeah, that that game being in Philly is huge. It's and, and the Eagles don't like the Saints. Saints don't like the Eagles. So yeah, it should be. A ch- and Malcolm Jenkins is coming back, so that that's adds, true. That's adds true. more fuel to the fire. So. Yeah, it's gonna be a chippy game. I can't wait for that game, really. And I think you're right. Out of out of those four, the um, well, you said the three. I think I would add the Cardinals in there yeah. too. Yeah, those four games. I think the Saints are probably the most likely. Um, then probably they. I think they can compete with the Cardinals. Just I don't trust the Cardinals' defense, and I think our our uh, our defense is actually probably decent enough to to, to hold. The, See, um, the thing is, if we didn't have Slay, I would be like, no, we're gonna lose that game. Nobody's gonna cover Nuke. Now we have Slay to yes. cover him, so now you're relying on guys like an old Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk to beat you. So yeah, yep, yep. So um, I think those two games are the most beatable. And I just I hope they can beat the Giants again, man. I'm right. I'm honestly worried about that, especially if they're able to to beat the uh, Washington this week and. You know, they get to two and seven, get a little momentum coming in. Yeah. They they obviously could have beat us last time. So that that's not gonna be an easy game to win either. We it's like we, we just own the Giants, like we just beat them. That's the we thing. Do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll have some somehow some way. I think we'll have Miles Sanders back and we'll have 
Goddard will be much more functional in the offense. And then you got then you have like Ward and Fulgham and Rager and all these guys. So it's like they should win that game, knowing the Eagles will probably make it closer than it even needs to be. But <laughs> man, I just want a blowout. I yeah, mean, I just want a blowout victory for once. I want a game like yesterday's game when the, the Packers just beat the crap out of the Forty ers Yeah, I want that type of. Yeah, game. you could just. Beat. I don't think we've had you that game since. Match. I don't think we've had a blowout game since the Jets game last year. Like every single game has been close. Maybe you can say the the Bills game and the Bears game where we were we dominated the second half of the Bills game and then we kind of took our foot off the off the off the gas against the Bears, but we really haven't, you know, beaten anybody soundly for sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's like, mm-hmm. I think as Eagles fans, for our health, we need a win like that, because we can't be sitting through all these like, all these close ass games. Like, oh, what are we gonna lose? Are we gonna are we? And then we we win, and then it's like okay, we won, but it's like the Eagles mess around with our heart and our blood pressure and everything, and it's like, yeah, just give us one well, con- one consistent game. That's that's all I'm asking for. And, and, and you can't even get comfortable with these big leads. We've seen them blow freaking three possession leads. Yeah. So even we, it was seventeen nothing. I'm thinking, oh, this is a great start to the year. Yeah. And we end up losing. And it's like, yeah. So you just can't have anything nice in Philadelphia. Yeah. Like Trump said during that one debate, bad things happen in Philadelphia, and we always, <laughs> so. and we always expect that when it comes to the Eagles, we always expect. Rose expect the worst. Even during the Super Bowl year, like I think most of I don't know, like most of us were like say, Oh we're we're ten and one, what's gonna happen? Then once it goes down and the but I think during that point we we had such a deep team and we were so good that we could just plug in falls and he was able to, you know, win us a Super Bowl. So it's kind of like Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the one year it worked out. We'll see if it Happens ever again. <laughs> okay, well, that's the end of podcast episode number two. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs>